Welcome to Bloody Mary's Queer Horror Movie Podcast. This episode, we're talking about Spiral. Uh, the body of Christ compels me, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not your fucking mother, Sean. Uh, we're two queer horror nerds based in Hackney, pronouns they them. Have you got content notes for this one? Oh, I have actually. Uh, racism, homophobia, violence, homophobic hate crimes... These are the cake crimes. Oh, that's like the Irish couple. <laughs> <laughs> cake crimes. They refuse to make the cake for the gay couple anyway. But oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Niche. Um, uh, and uh, just yeah, it's mainly racism and homophobia. I think. Yeah, that's the worst stuff. Yeah. Uh, so Spiral is a 2019 Canadian horror film, uh, not to be confused with Spiral from the Book of Saw, uh, which is the, the ninth instalment from the Saw series, which is due out next year, oh. or to be confused with Spiral, the 2007 thriller, or the 2017 <laughs> documentary Spiral about the rise of anti-Semitism in France. Um, it premiered on Shudder, which is the horror streaming platform, in September of this year, and it was filmed in Alberta over 21 days. Uh, it's got largely good reviews, but has mostly gone under the radar. Right. Um, it stars Jeffrey Boyer Chapman, who most UK viewers will recognise uh, as a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race uh, and as a, a permanent judge on Canada's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, fell into some hot water for being a spicy judge. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Jeffrey Boyer Chapman grew up in a small Alberta town called Rimby. Oh, I didn't know that. Rimby? Rimby, yes. Rimby. The Vicar of Rimby. <laughs> um, uh, not unlike the one in the film. Uh, he said that growing up there as a biracial gay man was like a sick social experiment. Um, and the area that he grew up in uh, is known as the Texas of the North. Oh. His co-star, Ari Cohen, uh, has mostly worked in TV. Uh, but he appeared in the L word. Oh, I don't know. Um, Conrad Voynow. Oh, that's not. I don't think that's the main character. No, I don't think he was one of the L's. Um, <laughs> uh, and he also uh, featured as a rabbi in the new It chapters one and two. Two nice is just well. a flashback. Yeah, I don't remember him. Um, the consensus on Rotten Tomatoes about Spiral is: Spiral explores the tension between otherness and conformity with a well-acted horror story that chills, even if it doesn't outright terrify. And it's got 76 tomatoes. Delicious. <laughs> Very rich. Also a bit rich for me. Um, a review by John Squires on bloodydisgusting.com notes the strong influence Get Out has had on more socially conscious horror films. And he says... It would seem that Get Out has kicked open the doors and busted open the floodgates for fresh perspectives, experiences and representation in the horror genre, paving the way for new types of social horror movies that unfortunately just wouldn't have ever been made without one big success story leading the way first. So most of the uh, reviews uh, highly praise Jeffrey Boyer Chapman's performance. 
um, which we thought was a little hammy. In yeah, a little bit hammy. A little hammy, a little bit rich for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but as I said, the film seems to have barely really created a ripple. And the reason that we're reviewing it is just because it's very explicitly gay. Gay, 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 film. gay horror film. It's funny actually him saying about the, the bloody disgusting guy saying about like thing. Disgusting. Saying that like it's, it's a pave, like get out paved away for that. Like kind of like, um, I, I don't know. If so, is that true? Like, I feel like. I'm trying to think. There must be other horror films where it's based around someone being queer. Maybe there isn't. I mean, well, that's two different things. Oh, I know, but I mean, just like bigotry, kind of leading the kind of horror. Well, I don't, th- I don't think he's saying that he invented that Jordan Peele invented bigotry. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think he said that either. <laughs> but that, that film has had a real big influence on the kind of horror films that are coming out at the moment. I mean, horror films have always been socially conscious. But they haven't necessarily always spoken direct. Well, if you think about Night of, uh, Night of the Living Dead, like one of the earliest, like proper classic horror films, mm. um, well, it's definitely not one of the earliest, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That is essentially about racism at the end. Because yes. There's no possible way he could ever have survived that scenario because he was a black man. Yeah. Um, so they've always existed, but he's definitely influenced a new generation of more socially. Priority people. Yeah. Like. Um, Antebellum wouldn't have existed without Get Out. Oh, no, for uh, sure. This wouldn't have existed without Get Out. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of this as a sort of more nuanced representation of kind of like people like experiencing bigotry as part of their horror or they're being terrorised about their personal, their identities, essentially. Um, and I can't think of one now. Um, like, I was thinking about It, maybe, with the kind of like... but Because um, it's quite kind of bigoted towards each of like, the towards the Jewish guy, but that's not really... Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's indiscriminately evil. Yeah, yeah. But when he Feeds is... on the specific yeah, yeah, yeah. fears. Um, anyway, yeah, no, it's just, that's sort of throwing me for a loop. I'm trying to think of other examples, but I can't think of any, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, well, I'm sure something will occur to us. If great, it, if, great. If, if God intends it. <laughs> um, God wills it. <laughs> uh but aside from that, there isn't really much written about the film because it's kind of barely created a ripple. That's sad. Um, it is sad, um, but that's just life, I'm afraid, when you're gay. Yeah. Um, great. <laughs> <laughs> So in spite of being quite a short film at 90 minutes, i.e. the exact length that a film should be. Mm, um, a good length. Yes. Uh, and, a lot happens here. So And girth. Oh, great girth. That's why a lot happens. It's so girthy. <laughs> <laughs> it does have more girth than it does length. Girth, more girth than work. No, it's actually a good film. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... Uh, a lot happens, and it's quite difficult to keep up with, but I'll do my damnedest. Thank you, Sean. Um, to, we all appreciate To that. really get in all of this girth. Oh, just really <laughs> fit it all in. <laughs> uh, so it begins with a flashback to 1983. Or oh, 85, we established it's not 83 at all, is it? It is 85. 85. Yeah. Um, the year before I was born. Um, oh. oh, thank you. Um <laughs> 
And it begins with some gays kissing in a car. Um, a white gay and a black gay. Mm-hmm. And they look uh, like late teens, mm. maybe. Oh, no, yeah. maybe a bit older, actually. Maybe early 20s. Yeah, it could be anywhere around that. Because the next bit's 10, 10 years on, isn't it? Um, and then they're smooching in the back of the car. <clears throat> it's snowing. Mm. And uh, a car pulls up um, and lights up the car. And then someone starts to approach them. And then we zoom forward 10 years <laughs> uh, to 1995. Uh, which was nine years after I was born. Oh, God, stop. <laughs> For those of you keeping count. Um, Before Sean and after Sean. <laughs> um, BS. <laughs> and AS. Ass. Ass and bus. Um, <laughs> ass and bussy. That's how I measure time. <laughs> so this was ni- nine years ass. <laughs> yeah. Bussy was one year bussy. <laughs> Um, So anyway, uh, in 1995, uh, there was a car driving along a road, and uh, in the front are two gays. Again. (laughs) Um, Again. (laughs) Uh, There's Jeffrey Boyer Chapman, whose character's name is Malik. Mm-hmm. And then there is uh, the other one, <laughs> a white man, uh, whose name is Aaron. Oh, but you didn't know. And then, white man. <laughs> and then in the back is white girl, uh, <laughs> uh, who is called Kayla. And they're just driving around, chatting. Uh, well, they're not just driving around. They're on their way somewhere. <laughs> so the cartoons are just like the steering wheel just going either way. Yeah, and they're chatting. Um, uh, Jeff, uh, oh God, I've forgotten his name. Malik mm-hmm. uh, he has a, an endearing nickname for Kayla, which is Booger, yeah. which actually means like, Ugly drag queen. <laughs> no, booger means snot, like bogey. Yes, but in drag, oh. it's what you call like bad drag queens. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Rude. Um, the uh, yeah, and uh, a, a bird hits the windscreen, and they all get a fright. Oh. Uh, the next scene is they're in this new home that they've moved to. So the basic premise is that uh, the 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 younger the girl who's probably about 16, 17 ish yeah uh, is the daughter of the white man um, who's uh, divorced who divorced his wife at some point yeah. uh, and is now in a relationship with Malik mm-hmm. and they are moving they're moving from the city to this small kind of rural town um, for a new life and we get the impression that the little the little girl's a bit boohoo about this because she had friends and a boyfriend and all that sort of stuff standard teen and because it looks boring that it does look boring yeah. um, <laughs> they so they're sat in this new place that evening uh, eating pizza on the floor pizza. um the uh and Malik is telling a story about the first time, well, actually, kind of very inappropriately telling a story about the first time he lost his virginity. Yeah. Not in any great detail. But, um, uh, Bussy ass. And then, uh, yeah, they have kind of an awkward conversation about that. And then um, uh, she's being a bit snotty towards her dad. And then later, um, Malik says that, you know, she obviously feels a bit abandoned by her mother. She's taking it all out on you. You know, you shouldn't take it personally. She's going through a lot of changes, blah, blah, blah. And then we see a scene from outside of the house, which is kind of like a raised, like, cabin sort of house with lots of big windows. Mm. Um, and we see outside and we see the silhouette of someone with a big furry hood 
and <laughs> and a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with a big furry hood on Um, he's looking up at the uh, at the goings on in the new house Uh, the next day uh, dad's gone to work Um, uh, Malik um, I'm hesitating every time to say his name because we didn't find out his name until later so in the notes I've just said JBC (laughs) Um, Malik wakes up the daughter uh, the dad's at work and they and says, "Come on, let's get unpacked before your dad gets home." And then uh, they get distracted looking through old photographs of when uh, Malik and Aaron first met. Mm. And there's one of them where the dad is in drag, and the girl's like, "Oh, that's disgusting! I, I can't believe it. it. Gross! I'm homophobic." No. <laughs> <laughs> and Malik is like, "Being loud and proud is the. I don't know why I'm trying to do his voice. Oh, do it! I like it. Silly." <laughs> <laughs> Being loud and proud is amongst the bravest things you can do. Yeah, that's very accurate. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then, um, which comes back into it later. Mm. And then uh, he is, uh, he pins up the uh, the picture of them in drag together on the notice board in his office, uh, where he has a very big, chunky 90... 90- Dick. <laughs> Big chunky 90s uh, Dick. desktop computer. Dick top. Computer. <laughs> um, the, uh, and then he's looking through some other boxes and finds uh, a pair Dick. of glasses. <laughs> a pair of glasses with a crack through one of the lenses. And he has another little flashback to eight, uh, 1985. And it's becoming clear that there was... I mean, it was clear from the start, really, that there was a, a homophobic in- incident. incident. Um, he goes, he takes the bins out and sees a neighbour also putting the bins out. And he says, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> 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 and the neighbour just ignores him. Yeah, um, And walks back in the house. So Kayla's on the phone to her boyfriend, Derek, uh, who's back at home and mm. has a little bit of chat with the dad, too. Um... Meanwhile, Malik is at his desk in the office uh, and he mentions to Aaron that he's doing some spec work. Mm. And it seems like... One thing I didn't look up, actually, is if this politician's a real man. Yeah, uh, I didn't. So he's... I don't think it is. But he's writing... Uh, he's ghostwriting a biography about a politician um, who uh, seems very conservative and that becomes clear as... as yeah, it talks about like family values. Is Not yet, he doesn't. I'm sorry, I thought I was contributing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you thought wrong. Um, silence, so. please. <laughs> um, and then the dad makes some. Uh, he's just. Uh, Malik is talking about how he's not enjoying the job, and the dad's just like, Well, I need some help paying off this damn house. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure we ever find out what the dad does, but he leaves no, to go to work. Yeah, uh, yeah. Malik works from home. Um, so, uh, later on, uh, the, the, the gays are spooning in bed and, uh, Malik is roused by a banging. <laughs> um, and it isn't in the bed. <laughs> and he goes downstairs to investigate the banging. Yes. And it turns out, in quite a good scene, it turns out that it's a branch banging against a I window. I quite like that scene. It's, like, weirdly drawn out. The pan around, the way that the camera pans around really slowly... 
Um, because we see his reaction to it first. So he realizes the source of the banging and then is calm and it's like kind of rolls his eyes. And then the camera continues to pan. Really slowly, and then you just see it's like branches, but it's quite interesting. It's kind of the opposite of a kind of normal like horror yeah. face and then reveal. It's yeah. like a, what is it? It's yeah. oh, nothing. It's, <laughs> it's nothing. Um, uh, so then the next day he saws off that branch. Um and then uh the next door neighbour who's called Tiffany, uh who's very much like a sort of uh like a sort of soccer mom. Yeah, yummy mummy. She comes around and knocks on the door and uh, Aaron's there. And she's just like, oh, I, I just came around to welcome you. I saw that your gardener's here. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, no, that's my partner. And then Malik comes up behind <laughs> and puts his arm around him. And, and, and she's like, oh, it's so exciting. We don't have any of you people here. And then she hands in this kind of unusual plant that looks a bit like um, like an artichoke or something. It does, yeah. Um, and says, this is so... A pointy artichoke. Artichoke. And then she says, it's especially lovely when it blooms. Uh, welcome to the neighbourhood, blah, blah, blah. Um, so in the next scene, we see... So obviously, uh, Malik and Kayla spend quite a lot of time together because uh, Malik works from home. And uh, she makes some jibe to him about him living off her dad's money, which is kind of in in good spirits, but it obviously kind of hurts him a little. Mm. Um, Especially after the dad also made that stupid joke about paying off the house. And yeah. it's like, joking, not joking, joking. <laughs> <laughs> also, we should say that Aaron should be very, very grateful that I he's know. ended up with, um, uh, with Malik, because he certainly, uh, Malik certainly wasn't drawn to his, uh, his equal good looks. His <laughs> potato face. <laughs> um, so later the girl, uh, she's walking somewhere and she sees a hot man smoking leaning at the car like a, a sort of boy her age and they do some eye babies mm-hmm. and then we see Malik working at his desk uh, and the uh, the politician is talking about traditional family values oh really yeah I, I missed that did you I, just, I thought it was really important for me to mention it at this exact Good. point great great um, and then we see uh, Malik jogging with a little sweat patch on his chest mm-hmm. and uh People are staring as he uh, jogs past uh, with quite kind of cold expressions on their face. And then there's lots of close-ups of like US flags uh, mm. flapping in the wind, which is interesting, actually, because it mustn't be set in Canada because they are US flags, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that happens quite a lot of the defilming in Canada, but it's actually to be American. Yeah. I have I a feeling in the film that we did recently actually had that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have a feeling it's cheaper to film in Canada. Yeah, it's also like but also, and stuff. it's a Canadian cast, I think. Well, okay. certainly JBC is. J B C D E F When he gets back to the house, he goes into the living room and there's been a welcome message scrawled on the there's wall. There's been a welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's been a welcome. Uh, and it say, it's say it's not a welcome welcome. No, it's an unwelcome welcome. <laughs> and in red spray paint it says faggots on the wall. Yeah. Um, and he has a little flashback to the incident from 1985. Yes. Um, and he when Aaron arrives home he's painting it painting over it and the dad's like I didn't know we were painting and he decides not to tell him about it. Yeah, I hate that. Anyway, I think on. it could have solved a lot of problems uh, yeah, early really on definitely. if he'd have just been quite transparent with him. Um, 
So we find out that Kayla has got a hostess job at Bill and Pete's Bar and Grill. Um, <laughs> you wrote that down so specifically. I just thought it was, they're my favourite characters, Bill and Pete. <laughs> they sound pretty gay Delicious as well. Delicious Bar and Grill. <laughs> um, and then they all do a little dance to celebrate. And then again, we uh, we pan outside to see uh, Furry Man Hood. <laughs> furry <Ooh>. Man Hood. <laughs> 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 uh, just a man with his furry manhood checking them out from afar. Um, <laughs> um, then back in the office, Malik is working again, and uh, he notes that he looks up and he notices on the uh, the like pin board that the picture of him and Aaron in drag has gone. It's gone snatched. Um, and he's obviously starting to get a little bit anxious. Well, he obviously is, because someone broke into the house and wrote a faggot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then he's in the garage later, and he's on the phone to his ex uh, called Liam, and he's talking about uh, his fears and how he feels like. And the uh, Liam on the other end of the phone is kind of calling him paranoid and saying, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. So then he secretly installs a security system worth thousands of dollars mm. uh, without the uh, thingy knowing, uh, Aaron. Yeah. And then um, and then later they go along to some sort of bonfire event. It's not clear what the event is, I don't think. Um, and all the neighbours are there. And everyone's sort of welcoming to them. Uh, Tiffany and his, uh, introduces them to his husband, Marshall. Um, and they're just having a chat. It all seems nice. And then through the flames, um, Malik sees a bald man in a furry hood who's, like, staring at him. Yeah. And Malik's... just out. His manhood no. just, <laughs> just gazing at him from afar, <laughs> winking. <laughs> the knowing eye. <laughs> um, and then uh, Malik's very kind of distracted by this man. Then he looks away and looks back and he's gone. Mm. Um, that night he wakes up to a noise again and he walks around the house with a bat. Um, as in a baseball bat, not a, a winged beast. <laughs> <laughs> his new friend on his bat. shoulder. <laughs> um, and he sees the old man, uh, the bald old man with the hood, uh, staring through the window. So he chases him, and the old man falls over in the snow outside, and all of the security alarms go on at this point. And the man hands him the note, hands him a note, uh, which is just a little folded piece of paper, and is like, don't tell anyone. Um, and then he's kind of, I'm confused, I've lost my keys, I don't know where I am. And then uh, he kind of, that situation resolves somehow. Yeah, and then he just the, like dolls off. Yeah. And, they're like, oh. and then Aaron comes out and he's really angry about the security system, yeah. especially how much it's cost. And he's saying that people in the sub- suburbs keep their doors open and he very purposefully unlocks the door that uh, Malik's just locked. Uh, and uh, the first example of how annoying it is, he didn't tell him about the faggots graffiti. Uh, well, exactly. But anyway, it builds on that. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the film ends. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the next day at his desk, uh, Malik is looking at the note that the old man handed him, and it's blank. It's not very harmful. No. Um, he's in a bad mood. Aaron wants to get rid of the security system. Um, and the uh, we, we then see Kayla uh, playing video games with the hot smoker, who turns out to be called Tyler. Smoking hot smoker. <laughs> Smoking hot smoker. Um, who's actually just an average looking man. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's okay. Um, uh, and then uh, he asks her about where her mom is mom mom mob 
And she says that uh, she's partying in Costa Rica with her new family and my inheritance. Yeah. Um, and really titled little shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder your mother left you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that evening from his office, uh, uh, Malik sees the house across the road, uh, which is very, which looks just the same as theirs with mm. a big, large window. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's the old man's house. Yeah. Although I don't know if we know that at this point. And then you can see through the window, or he can see through the window rather, and by extension, so can we. Mm, um, as the viewers. As the viewers <laughs> with our eyes. Um, can see a group of people who are stood in a circle uh, holding hands, doing a little dancey thing. And, yeah. and one of the people is like looking outwards towards yeah, him. like a silhouette. But with the head towards the windows, if he's in a bit of a like trance sort of state and he's kind of like steaming up the window with his breath. Mm. And then um, uh, Malik picks up a, a Polaroid camera because this is the 90s. Yes. And takes a picture and then steps aside and you think at that moment that they, they, they do a lot of like kind of playing with normal sort of tropes in this, like even just very subtly because... Mm you think that the Flash is going to alert them to it, which I think it probably kind of does, but it's not immediate. Yeah, you don't know, because you, you can't even tell whether the silhouette person looking through the window can see him the whole time either. Like, you yeah. don't, we can't really figure out what's going on. But they do then draw the curtains. Uh, the next day... Um, Who owns that picture, actually? Well, okay. He includes it in the document. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, yes, yes, yes. Um, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next day, someone is dead. And it is the old man. <laughs> Someone being the old man. <laughs> and he's being uh, put away in an ambulance. Put in away. A, probably Tied late. away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the bin. <laughs> yeah, he's all wrapped up. Uh, and ready and, to go. <laughs> yeah, and then his grandson, who found him, apparently, which Marshall tells them, um, uh, is standing there kind of weeping at the side, by the ambulance. Mm. And Marshall tells them a most unusual story which is that uh, the, the grandson found his granddad dead and yeah. went to tell the neighbours, and the neighbours all went round. They started praying, and oh, then it, was... it turned into a bit of a celebration. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. Which is strange. But he says it in a very knowing way, as if he knows that Malik the saw... The scene, what was saw, um, the, the party in inverted commas. Yeah. And then the weepy grandson uh, looks across at, and has a little eye contact moment with Malik. Malik. Um, so... Uh, I've just written here, pensive with note. <laughs> so I presume, reading between these lines, uh, Malik is pensive with the note. With the note. <laughs> um, and he decides to snoop in the old man's house, which is empty. Yeah, that's a wild thing to do as well. Yes. But anyway. he, picks up, he goes over to a bookshelf and picks up Charles Darwin's Origin of Species, which doesn't, doesn't make really sense. make any doesn't, sense. Doesn't tie in. Um... And then uh, there's some noise and the grandson arrives home and he at the time was looking at a picture of the old man with a number of women. Mm. Uh, like it, it looks like a family photo of some yeah. sort. And then he drops the photo and it, it smashes. Um, and the uh, the gra- and then he scuttles off. Yeah, he manages to disappear and vanish out of the house before the, the grandson yeah. then peeps around the corner to find him. Yeah, and then so he, but the grandson sees the photograph, and then he looks over at the gay house across the road. The gay house. <laughs> this is what I'm reading here. The um, heterosexual house containing gays. <laughs> so the uh, Tyler um, tells Kayla about. Oh, he he is driving along in the car, and, and Kayla's walking to work, 
and he convinces her to pull a sickie, um, which she does. And then they go and sit at the roadside on the car bonnet and he's saying that he's enjoying getting to know her and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And she says, I've got a boyfriend. And then at this point, which is one of the strangest parts of the film, I think. So they're just at the end of like a bridge. Mm -hmm. And and while they're talking, uh, Tyler, I think it's Tyler or maybe it's her. It's even no, it's stranger. Tyler. It's no, even stranger if it's Tyler. I know that's that that's what I thought. So yeah, Tyler notices like a figure of a man at the end of the bridge, really yeah. far away. And all you, so I think he looks like a black man. I think. Yeah, you can't. But you tell. can't really see. But he looks also like he's wearing a white shirt and braces. Mm. Um, and he's kind of like staggering very slowly, and then he starts to speed up and come towards them, and then they like run away or drive away. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's especially strange that Tyler sees him. That's I know, strange. and like, but he says specifically, "Can you see that?" Like, as if it's like he wasn't, he wasn't sure if it's real or not, which is so strange. Anyway, oh my god, that's weird. Yeah. Let's come back to that yeah. with some theories <laughs> of which I have not. Um, uh, so they're getting ready for something or other. Oh, for a party. Oh, no, they're going round to Tyler and Marshall. Tyler. Tiffany and Marshall's. And Tyler, because Tyler turns out to be that Tyler, Tiffany, 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 Pew, pew, Barney McGrew, Cuthbert, Dibble and Grub. So they're getting ready to go over. And um, and the, uh, Aaron says something along the lines of, like, because uh, Malik is feeling very paranoid uh, at this stage. And Ma- uh, Aaron says something along the lines of, like, uh, I feel like you just don't know how to deal with normal people. Yeah, and he's like, what does that. normal mean? Um, and then uh, he, uh, Malik uh, calls Aaron. Uh, well, he says, what's the name of an Uncle Tom, but for a white person, which is scathing. Mm. And if I'm not mistaken, an Uncle Tom is, it's the name, it's a, a, a derogatory name that a black person will call another black person, in America specifically, who... Uh, who like desperately tries to appeal to white men, to white people. Uh, so it's kind of like Uncle Sam, Uncle Tom, and it's just like, like so desperate to be assimilated, like assimilated. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, uh, and uh, Aaron's very annoyed by this, so they they arrive at this kind of dinner party a bit with a bit frosty uh, vibes, with a bit frosty, with, with a bit frosty vibes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and then Tiffelwill Tiffle Tiffle and Martian. Um, <laughs> Tiffelwill, no, <laughs> Tiffin, <laughs> Tiffany and Marshall are doing this whole sort of like love is love chat, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they're just like chatting about how, um, about very, very, very briefly about homophobia and about how uh, their relate the gay's relationship is deemed as like high risk and illegitimate um and also i guess one thing that kind of does go a little bit under the radar though there are some allusions to it is that this would have been quite deep into the aids crisis in 1995 Mm. um and there are a few references made to hiv and aids but it's quite slight but um um, the uh and it, it seems like marshall's kind of you know, I mean, any queer will know people who, like, kind of go out of their way to show you that they're fine with you being queer. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's very that, like, try, making a bit too much effort. Um, so uh, Malik uh, asks to use the toilet and then goes into a different room and finds uh, this book, which, which has a black uh, book, which has a spiral on the spine. Um, 
And then um, he notices this portrait, which again, I... I think the portrait is meant to be of the son because it comes back later that he hasn't aged. Do you remember? But none of them have. I know, but I think that that portrait oh, is of the son. Oh, because yeah. he says, I can see the resemblance. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so he's looking at that this portrait, uh, which looks like... Um, a, a picture of Tyler, yeah. um, but in like uh, sort of 1800s wear. Yeah. And he says it's from 1880-something. Oh, because uh, Marshall finds him in the room and is like, oh, this isn't the toilet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's my ancestor. I've been doing lots of research into my family. Let me point you in the right direction. Um, so then uh, that evening, or that night rather, or the next morning technically, <laughs> uh, exactly ten past one in the morning, I think, right, the time, yeah. um, Malik is working in his office. Um and the his the room that he's sat in is lit up by car lights, and then he has uh, he relives the homophobic incident again from 1985. Yeah, and then it he realizes that it was just a that he'd fall asleep because it's three a.m. by the time he comes around again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then we see Kayla doing some very sort of uh, uh, like kind of dirty dancing esque. Uh, Exercise. Yeah, it's kind of more eighties than nineties, but yeah. Um, and uh, she looks through the window and she sees Tyler walking through long grass. Long um, grass. And uh, and then she sees her with a girl, him with a girl, which doesn't really come up again. Come up again does no. it? Anyway, and they do a little smooch. Tyler sees um, and realizes that he's being caught, and then the girl goes, "Let's smoke a bowl," <laughs> and then they skip off together. Um, so the uh, <laughs> just intrigued about what I've written here. It was quite difficult to keep up with this one with notes wise, but I've written grandson comes to house with big nostrils. <laughs> he did have very big nostrils. Oh, is it because he's upset and he's like crying? Well, I think in general he had. They weren't just sad nostrils. You think he just had big nostrils? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so the grandson comes to the house uh, to the gay house. Uh, with his big nostrils and he apologizes to and Malik is the only one in I think at that point and he apologizes to Malik for his granddad's behavior saying that he wasn't well um, and he also asks him if the granddad had said what he was doing out there and um, and he says did he give you anything um, and then all of a sudden uh, and he says why and then all of a sudden the grandson who was sat on a chair on one side of him is all of a sudden right next to him. Um, yeah. Which is... And Malik looks confused and it's not explained at all. It's just like, oh. Yeah. Um, and then, so they're sat really close to each other and then uh, the grandson says, uh, they said it was suicide and he starts to get weepy and they have a little sexy hug where he kind of like is quite yeah. forcing himself on him and then he like pull, he puts his rubs rolls his hand up into the back of his head and it looks like he's kissing his neck a little bit as well yeah um and he's saying i miss him so much and then aaron walks in um and then the next scene we see uh malik is in the bathroom uh and he's got some sort of mark on his chest which again is never mentioned oh Anyway, no, carry on. Referenced again. Maybe. Carry on, carry on. Um, And then uh, Aaron is just like, oh, you seem to like the grandson man. Um, And and then suggests that they have a threesome. Um, Yeah, random. And uh, Aaron, uh, Malik's not interested. 
And then they put the lights off. They start kind of uh, beginning sexy times. And then there's some screaming. Violent screaming. It is very violent screaming. Excuse me. (laughs) Uh, Coming from Kayla. And they cook her mouth. (laughs) Kayla's mouth. (laughs) From Kayla's vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they run to her room. And she's got blood all over her face. Big disgrace. Big disgrace. (laughs) And then they look up and it's coming from the ceiling. Um, They go up to the attic and there's a series of what we think were dead possums. Mm. um, Possumly. (laughs) It's a a strong possibility. (laughs) Uh, But they also look like they've been kind of severely hacked up. Um, And then uh, Malik sees shadows in the granddad's house again when the curtains are closed. And he's obviously assuming that someone's put them there. He says to Aaron... That he thinks someone's put them there, which is why it's so obvious that he thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Aaron doesn't think he's being very kind of paranoid. And that while Kayla's having a shower to get rid of all the possum blood, yeah. Um, swirly grandson scene. Um, there, there's a weird scene where there's a spinning. Um, maybe it's a spinning shot of the grandson. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, there's a swirly grandson <laughs> scene. <laughs> Classic horror trope. <laughs> Um, and then we see um, uh, Malik is watching uh, a video of the man that he's writing a biography of. Mm. And he mentions uh, that the man in the video mentions that uh, he helped fund or supported something called the Ernie Darrelson Clinic, which he then Googles or probably asks G yeah. in 1995. <laughs> Everything's um, Times New Roman on the computers. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Old internet. And he finds out that the Ernie Darrelson Clinic is a gay conversion therapy institution. Yes. Um, and then they have kind of the... So then the family is sat around the table looking a bit awkward and uh, Malik is kind of behind the the, the plant uh, the sort of uh, artichokey plant thing, yeah. Um, and then he has a little dream where the granddad, where he remembers the the granddad saying, "Don't tell anybody." Um, and he sees people in hoods stood outside of the house in this dream. Um, and then there's another tricky, uh, trippy scene where um, where they're having. They seem Aaron and Malik seem to be having sex in the shower. But also talking about quite boring administrative stuff oh, at the yeah. same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he, uh, Aaron is, uh, Malik is just like, I can't do this work. It's really, uh, uh, my hard drive is fried. But then all of a sudden, uh, Kayla's banging on the door saying, Come on out, Malik, you've been in there for an hour. And he's actually in the shower on his own. And he looks a bit confused. Um, and then he goes back to his office and he puts, he rubs some water on the note and it reveals a series of numbers, which apparently are a series of dates, but I didn't think that looked that clear. It looked like random numbers when he first yeah. did it. But anyway. <laughs> so he goes to a library um, and he finds a newspaper by the di- by one, from one of the dates. It yeah. doesn't really explain how. And he goes to a microfiche. Uh, it's microfilm. Microfiche. It's microfilm. Fish. It's fun. I know, I don't know. <laughs> Different things. I just don't say my I used to be a librarian, I know these things. Peach. <laughs> Film. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, and, and the, there's a news, it's called Rusty Creek or something, isn't it? The place. Yeah, Rusty Bush yeah. or something. <laughs> it's Rusty Creek. Okay. Um, and. Uh, Rusty Snatch. <laughs> um, 
And he sees that there was a murder-suicide 10 years ago of two women, and he recognises the woman from the picture in the dead granddad's house. Yes. And he sees that in the article that they were lesbians. So he now is talking to Aaron and says that he wants to leave. He tells him about the note, um, and he says, why didn't Tiffany and Marshall know... uh, tell us about this murder they lived here at the time um they you know and aaron says actually they have told me about him they knew uh, they knew them well and they were close to them and he's like not everyone is against you uh you need Oof. to get over this whatever happened to you in the past was tragic but it's in the past it's not going to happen to you again um then we see him on the phone again with liam um and he says every 10 years this seems to happen all of the dates lined up um uh yeah, I think we've been chosen. We're the next ones. Mm. And then uh, Liam on the phone says, "Are you just looking for permission to move on?" And he's like, "What? I've moved on. Of course I've moved on." Blah blah blah. Um, and then he spots above. So the, the garage door is open, and it's semi obscuring uh, a, a mark on the on the mm. ceiling. So he closes the garage door, and he sees that it is a spiral. Um, then. We see him jogging, there's a man staring at him, and then he stops for no particular reason outside of a strange house. I don't know if maybe he'd read about that. That's a house that he'd read about in the newspaper. Oh, maybe it was a lesbian's <clears throat> house. Oh, I thought they lived in their house. The same house. Yeah, it's not... Maybe s- not, I Yeah, know. who knows. Um, and then at, uh, at 10 past 1 a.m. again, uh, he's, uh, he's doing some work. He's reading about the lesbians again, and then he drives to the that old house and goes inside Mm. um he sees a spiral on the ceiling and there's a missing roof tile that he kind of focuses or ceiling tile rather that he focuses on uh he hears a noise he goes back downstairs and then there's a ghost woman Mm. um who's standing there who hands him a stack of vhs's (laughs) Um, yeah i tell you what it did remind me of a little bit you know on the original ring ringu ringu um, at the end, the ghost appears in the reflection of the TV, just pointing to a VHS. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of that just because... That would be bad. It's sort of funny that she's like, here you go. <laughs> Everything you ordered. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he goes back home. The PC's been taken apart. The PC's um, gone mad. PC has gone mad. <laughs> um, and Aaron is outside looking sad. So he goes up PC and, got mad. and Aaron is sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's holding some uh... Polaroids. Oh. <laughs> I was trying to do that discreetly, but I'm just taking off my clothes. <laughs> do excuse me. Just getting all hot and <laughs> oh, sad Aaron. <laughs> um, so he's looking at um, these Polaroid photos, and uh, he's really upset about them. And he's like, "Why didn't you just tell me if this is what you wanted?" And Aaron. Uh, and this is another case of them talking about something and then we only find out what it is afterwards. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he tells him to leave. He's like, that's not me in the pictures. And he's like, well, it, it has to be. And then he like storms off. He says, I need you gone by tomorrow or this evening or something. And then we see, or oh, sometime, whenever so you want. Soon, Actually, uh, just stay. Yeah, but maybe tomorrow, maybe now. <laughs> and then he drops the photos and then we see the pictures which are of um, him and the grandson in kind of quite bondage Yes, and this set. is what I'm wondering <gasps> oh, if the, the mark on yes. his chest was. So whether he actually did have all that 
random sex. Yeah, but he has no memory of it. But it's very like bondage. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. all like bound in ropes because that's the kind of sex that gays have. Yes, normal, um, <laughs> normal everyday sex. Yes. <laughs> Just spontaneous bondage <laughs> sex on the sofa. <laughs> um, uh, so he uh, he goes back and he prizes open the CD drive because the the PC's all broken and he takes out the CD. Um, and then uh, the phone is ringing. Uh, Kayla is in trouble with the police. Um, it seems like she's assaulted someone at work, and she says she deserved it. Um, and she says that Amy, who's a bitch apparently, mm, uh, I said that she, that uh, that Kayla was going to give Tyler AIDS because she had two dads. Um, and uh, Malik, who by now is really feeling the heat mm. of his intersecting identities. Mm. Um, uh, says uh, it gets quite teary and says forget everything I said about uh, it being brave to be proud of who you are it's not safe to be different in this world um, for, uh, Tyler's a creep he only wants one thing promise me that you won't see him again and she says I promise and then the next scene is Tyler and Kayla having yeah. <laughs> about to have sex um, she says I'm a virgin and he says uh, let's wait. I want us to wait. I want it to be special and beautiful. And blah, 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 blah. Um, so then we see Malik sitting in the car listening to a recording of the depressing politician that he's writing about. Um, and he's sitting in the... He's, it looks like he's sleeping in the car out the front because he's got nowhere to go. Aaron closes the curtains and Malik's crying. Then we see... Uh, I think the this is the full flashback that we get now of the incident that happened in 85, which is... Them kissing, some homophobes pull up, they start smashing on the windows with bats, and then they drag the white boy out and start stamping on him and hitting him with bats and leave him for dead. And then uh, Malik, as a, a young man, uh, picks up his broken glasses mm. at the end. Um, and why, then we cut back to him sitting in the car, and the windows are all steamed up, and he draws a little spiral on the window. Yes. Um, so he then goes to Marshall's and Tiffany's house. Marshall's there and Marshall's like, can I do anything for you? And he's like, oh, I could use a drink. And then he's, uh, <clears throat> he explains what's happened. And he's like, oh, I'm sure he'll come round. Are you sure, you know, you didn't actually <laughs> have sex with that man? <laughs> um, and he also says, oh, I went, came round to try and fix your hard drive. Um, there was nothing wrong with it, but I did see that folder it wouldn't look for someone. It, it wouldn't look good for someone in your standing if someone else uh, found that. Um, and uh, and he suggests that he seeks help. Um, yeah. So are we going to talk about that folder now? Just sort of like we'll talk about it later, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fine. Um, so then he sees the spiral book again, um, and. Uh, and Marshall's saying, it's, you know, it's an exciting time for your family. There's lots, you know, you're going through lots of changes, blah, blah, blah. And then Malik leaves. He goes and checks into a hotel, closes the curtains. And it turns out he's snatched the book. He has snatched, snatched it. Snatched Yes. Uh, he's snatched the spiral book. Uh, he takes some tablets. He seems a bit trippy. And he loads a gun. Um, and then he sees the silhouette, through a silhouette through the curtain that looks like, uh, sort of like a devil goat sort of thing. Yeah. Um... And he puts his gun up shakily to shoot at it, but then he kind of blinks, and it's just a woman who's looking for her keys outside on on the walkway. With the horns, no, she doesn't have horns, <laughs> and she's a goat. Um, so he watches uh, one of the VHSs 
Um, and it's home videos from the lesbian couple who were in the murder-suicide, in inverted commas. Mm. And they're documenting their time moving there. And they arrive home to see Dykes has been, the word Dykes has been sprayed in red on the house. Um, and he uh, realises that every ten years something happens. He says, we've been chosen. Um, so he's, he looks through the book. I think he's on the phone. Oh, no, he calls Aaron and tells him, we're in danger. It's every yeah. ten years. We've been chosen. It also, this whole, like, while he's in the motel or hotel, it's, like, quite kind of, like, trippy, like, deliriousness yeah. sort of about it. So he looks through the book. It's got a picture of the devil figure that he saw through the curtain mm. there. It's also got a picture of the plant that they were given. Yeah. And there's a photograph in there of the lesbian couple, and they've had their eyes, like, scratched out. Yeah. Um, and he's obviously getting like headaches. Uh, there's lots of flashing lights. And then he looks at the pills and then goes and looks at the, the pills in his his pocket bag. or bag or somewhere and realizes that his medication's being switched, switched, which is why he's also trippy. And then he he watches more of the VHS and there's a girl sitting playing tuneless recorder. <laughs> and it's obviously the daughter of the lesbian couple. Yes. And then he obviously. Real things like Kayla, yeah, says because Kayla. yeah, because and at then, this point I don't think we knew that the, the lesbian couple had a daughter. Like no. this is the first, and so that's, yeah. that's him realizing that. <gasps> Wait, mm. uh, so he drives back, and he seems very conscious that he's being followed, which it suggests that he is by some car lights behind him, mm. and then. He slows down as he sees someone at the side of the road, and it's a sort of semi-naked man with a blurry face. Yeah, kind of ghosty-looking figure. Yeah. He gets home and storms in, uh, and is like, "Where's Kayla?" And the house is full of guests, and they're all um, they're all laughing, and it looks seems like they're laughing at him, and it's still quite trippy. And they're saying, "It's all for her. It's all for her." Um, and uh, he's just like, "Oh, I didn't, you know." where have you been and he's like well you told me not to come back and he's like that was a week ago um mm. and they're like i'm here i'm protecting her we need to protect her yeah he's like, like acting really crazy and everything's quite kind of blurry and it's quite weird yeah. this whole scene um and then he um he shoots at marshall yeah and kills him uh well let's say he kills him yeah let's say and then uh and at that point, you see that Tiffany is, was bringing in a 16th birthday cake for <laughs> Kayla, and she drops it. Tyler's screaming. Um, you, it, the camera pans into the, zooms into the cake on the yeah. floor, which had a picture of, um, the, of two the two dads, dads and Kayla and Sweet 16 on there. <laughs> and then Malik is arrested. <clears throat> uh, Aaron comes into the, uh, the prison, the jail, I guess, and says uh, that he's putting the house up for sale. Um, that him and Kayla are going to move to the city and he says something like, uh, Malik, that is, says, oh, I told you there was something weird about this place. And he's like, we're not running away from the place, we're running away from you. Um, and he's just like... Thank you. And he's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and he's just like, honestly, like, I, I, I need to, you need to understand why I was doing what I was doing. Ask Liam, Liam knows. And he's like, who's Liam? And he says, my ex-boyfriend, who do you think? Uh, go and talk to him. Um, and he's like, I can't do that, Malik, because obviously Liam is the ex-boyfriend who was beaten to death at the beginning. Deaded. Deaded. Um, so he's been imagining it. So he leaves and Malik's shouting, like, talk to him, I was protecting her. And then, oh, and this is where he has the f the flashback where you see what happened to him. It kind of comes in little Oh, yeah, patches. yeah, yeah. Um, so Aaron goes to Kayla's room and... Um, 
and it's like, we'll get through this, and they're crying. They're like, we'll get through this together, boo-hoo. Hmm. Um, and then you see that the uh, the flower has bloomed. It has bloomed. And then we see Aaron sitting at the computer uh, in the office, and he sees a VHS on the floor. Uh, it's from 1985, and he watches it. Um, and so the confusion here is the homophobic hate crime that he had happened in 83. The lesbians happened in 1985. Anyway, minor detail. So he's watching it. Uh, and in this video, even though it's 10 years previous, uh, Marshall and Tiffany feature in it, as does Tyler. And they're all the exact same age that they are in present day. Um, and then... Uh, they break into the house in that video and blah, blah, blah. But then uh, while he's watching this VHS, behind him there are loads of people in big black cloaks and hoods all behind the window, looking through the window. Very spoopy. Very spoopy. So then we see Marshall visiting Malik in the jail. And obviously... He's um, not dead. He's not dead. And Malik is freaked out. He's like, who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm someone who's been around for a very long time. And he's saying, don't hurt Kaylee, you can hurt me, but don't do that, blah, blah, blah. So then in the house, we see... uh, So Aaron didn't see the people in the hoods, but he saw the VHS, which obviously convinced him that Malik was perhaps telling the truth. So he goes up to Kayla's room, is knocking on the door, there's no answer, it's locked, he's trying to get in. Um, And then he looks out and... um, he looks down the stairs and now the living room is filled with all of these people in the black hoods. Mm. Uh, so um, Kayla's door then opens um, and we go back to the scene of Marshall talking to Aaron in the jail and he says, um, you know, people will think that you broke out of jail, that you had a drug relapse, that you killed them all, you relapsed and you killed them all and then you killed yourself. Mm. Um, and uh, we see... We go back to Aaron walking into Kayla's room and Tyler is eating Kayla. Yes. Her kind of chest is all open and he's eating little bits. Yeah, he's covered in blood. It's gross and, and delicious. Then, uh, and then Tiffany pops up behind Aaron and goes, isn't it beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, we see Marshall again. We go back to the, the jail scene and Marshall says, uh, people are afraid of you. Um because you're different and when the tide changes there'll be someone else uh for you to be afraid of it's just human nature um uh we just exploit it and then uh next thing we see it's november 2005 Mm -hmm. and a sikh family of two parents and one daughter are pulling up uh in the car to this house Mm. and then um we see tyler leaning on a car smoking unaged Mm. And then uh, we then cut back to Malik, who is writing up a kind of diary of everything that happened on his computer, yeah, including pictures that he'd taken and all of his research and that sort of stuff and stuff about the lesbians. And then he puts it on the CD and then it's the CD that we saw him prizing out of the thing later, which he puts inside of a case for like 80s, 30 hits from the 80s yeah. case. Um, and then... Uh, the I, I don't know if it's the woman or the young daughter who young at daughter, the house yeah. who uh, hears a noise upstairs or something mm. and she goes up and looks in. No, she sees a stain where the blood was coming from the oh, ceiling yeah, from the raccoons. The and then she goes up into the attic and looks, and the attic's completely empty apart from this one CD that's just kind of stacked mm. at the side. Um, and we hear 
Malik's voice over saying, I'm passing this on to you. It happens every 10 years. Um, I don't know who this is going to end up with, but it, it's up to you to decide how you deal with it now. And then the film ends. Ends. Let's talk a little bit about representation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just normal, my normal talking boy. <laughs> so in terms of people of colour, uh, we have um, Malik. Yes. And I think... That's on purpose. He's the only. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think. Um, I think you can't separate his blackness from the story, and I think it kind of. Um, it wouldn't have been as impactful if it was just a white gay couple, mm. um, because there's then this additional layer of otherness that also distances him from his partner. That's true. Um, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's dealt with well yeah um in the story i there's it's very rarely referenced that he, that he's black it um, is actually but it's very it's apparent really throughout because of the reaction especially in the jogging scenes where he's getting kind of the strange looks from these kind of small and towns. also when uh, what's that, tiffany thinks that he's the gardener yes yeah, yeah which i believe is a microaggression it is a macroaggression macro yeah um and uh, there's also the reference where he calls Aaron oh, Uncle Tom. Yeah, yeah. Um, or a gay version of Uncle Tom. Yeah. Um, like an Uncle... Mary. Mary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, I think the, the lack of representation in terms of people of colour is very much integral to the story. Yeah, it's meant um, to sort of add to the other. Yeah, he's meant to be the only black person in it. Um uh, in terms of women? Um, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I guess Kayla's quite kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's an interesting... Uh, I think for me the most interesting thing around gender more broadly is about the the fact that in many ways I feel like their relationship is quite gendered. Yeah. Um, the uh, like Malik is uh, is more femme. Yes, he is also very beautiful. <laughs> while uh, Aaron is not. Yeah, um, and also the the kind of in terms of like thinking of other horror films, Malik is playing the role of the of the woman that we've spoken about in the past, where the the, the wife the wife is the one that thinks something's going on. The husband doesn't believe yeah. her. Um, and it feels like a very gendered kind of story in a way. Yeah. But that's just in terms of thinking of it in 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 the context of other horror films that are similar, but with straight protagonists. But I was thinking actually in terms of just like women, like you don't actually see women talking to each other really in this film um, ever. I guess the lesbian couple... Um, Obviously, would have. I mean, the videotapes do, but yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah, it's it's yeah. always. Like, I wonder if it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's unusual, and I that hadn't, hadn't occurred to me really. But um, yeah, that's but, a very good point. Yeah. Um, in terms of queer representation, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so we have a gay relationship, a very like homonormative gay relationship yes. with a child. 
Um, and then we see another depiction of a homonormative lesbian relationship yeah. with a child, both of which that end in tragedy. Yeah. Which I guess is not good representation of queerness because that's quite a trope in itself. Yeah, and also but, obviously Malik's past trauma of yeah, being oh, yeah. abused. Um uh yeah, I guess it's is it bad? Well, I mean, is it any different to get out's portrayal of racism? Um, I was thinking I've seen the differences. I mean, obviously you shouldn't compare the two, like, well, except for that review already did. But, um, but like, um, just the fact that in Get Out that he actually escapes, um, whereas this, mm. the quiz die, um, it's sort of, it's not as, it's not like a celebratory kind of like exploration of like, I don't know, like it's, it's quite kind of just like, yeah, they're victims and then they die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, your fate sealed because yeah. you are queer. But then maybe in the 90s, that's how especially gay men felt. Um, yeah. Like it was like that being gay was like a terminal situation. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, um, yeah. But also it's really the reason that we want to review this, even though it's kind of gone under the radar, is because it's exciting to see a horror film with... Uh, queer leads yeah and especially because jeffrey boyer chapman is black uh, yeah. or mixed race and he is uh he's queer himself um i don't know about his partner i don't know i couldn't find much about him but um the yeah it's and the thing is that like in horror I, I always feel like in horror i do want to see representation of queer people and in most horror films most people die so i don't feel like it's homophobic that the queers no, die but in this in this case they died because they were queer yeah. or they were scapegoated because they were queer but it's framed in the way that it's actually just because they were different in some way and that right. if they're um, seen as like a disposable type of people or well both disposable and also blamable yeah so like people will instantly think this is something that you've done because you've got this high-risk lifestyle this like mm. um that that you know that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, but I guess the the addition to that is thinking about faith, because we see the Sikh family at the end, and just before we saw that scene, I said, "I bet the next family is going to be Muslim." Yeah. Based on what um, Marshall had said, where he was just like, "When the tides have t- turned, yeah, yeah, um, there'll be somebody else to hate because they're different." And I th- so, the, in the last scene where you see the, the Sikh family is in two thousand and five. And I think it's strange that they didn't choose a Muslim family. Yeah. Because this was four years after 9-11, it would have been. Mm. And Muslims were by far the most vilified people in the US at that time. And probably are amongst <laughs> the most vilified now. I'm sure that bigots probably don't dis- like discriminate in terms of that. Though. They probably think that Sikhs are Muslims. <laughs> well, and, yeah. uh, but I also, I read lots of, I've read like, every anniversary of uh, 9-11 there's always lots of kind of think pieces about the impact that it had on communities of color specifically uh people who were read as muslims mm. and there's there's loads of articles about how sikh people also saw a huge increase in hate crime because people are too stupid to recognize yeah. the difference um uh so yeah and maybe uh maybe it because uh muslim people are still um persecuted so much in the US and in the West in general that um, that maybe the filmmakers thought it was a bit too on the nose to have a Muslim family. Um, yeah. I don't know. But um, but I, I thought it was interesting. I don't feel like it was like a lazy use of someone who was just very visibly of a faith. Because no, I sure. think Because I think it 
made sense in context of what Marshall was saying in the for trailer. For sure, yeah. for sure, yeah. Um, there's no representation of disability, I don't think. No. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... You, uh, you can't, like... I think it's it's good for what it is in terms of it tells the story of a queer couple. Yes, um, yeah. And a mixed-race queer couple. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, like, obviously, like... Um, with some things you want it to be that the like for example trans representation now you want it to be that someone is just trans and they don't really have a storyline based around their transness mm. whereas with this you did want it to be represented but i don't know it's sort of interesting that you, you need it to be represented and it needs to be very blatant and it needs to be part of the storyline for them to then become victims um, it, it it sounds worse than it is really like it's sort of on purpose like that's the whole point of it yeah um, I, I, I must say like I, I know like Get Out and this are very different films and Get Out is infinitely better yes um, <laughs> but when I first saw the trailer for this I thought oh this is going to be the gay version of Get Out like that's what I thought oh. um, and I aside from the very premise which is that you know the whole time you're watching that you're watching racism unfolding or you're watching homophobia mm. unfolding, but that it's kind of done in kind of an insidious way that you're not quite... Like, I, I think that is the case and that is the parallel between them. But I, um, I guess actually it's not even homophobia. It's just like the the reason they've chosen them is just because of their kind of like their yeah, minority status. Yeah. I um, mean, it could have been any like equivalent during the time. I don't know what that would be like, probably a time. I don't know what that would have been during the time. Actually, probably gays was the worst, but yeah, I would have thought like at the t- kind of uh, I, I mean I can't I, like the sort of deep it like tail end slash deep end of the kind of AIDS crisis that I think gays were probably ending yeah. number one. Um, so yeah, shall we do the awards? The awards. It is time for the awards. The awards. Time for the awards. Exhausting and beautiful. Um, so I actually don't have a best minor character. Did you? Uh, mine was the mysterious flower. <laughs> that was a powerful character. Uh, what do you think was the spookiest bit? I think it, um, the bit where, yeah, we already talked about it, where he's like watching the videotape and he doesn't know that behind him there's all these kind of like shadow, like all these hooded figures all stood behind him in the window. Very man. Yes, I think there are two spooky moments: that bit and the man on the bridge, which I really wish I understood. Yeah, um, that doesn't make sense. Especially because it would make more sense, even though it still wouldn't, if Kayla had spotted him. But the fact that it's Tyler, who is the baddie for all intents and purposes, that spots spots spots. Yeah, I was trying to make that like make it make sense in terms of like maybe there's something supernatural about the whole place. Um, that's why you see the ghost, and that's why like maybe that guy was a ghost from a previous like like killing. So I guess maybe that does make some sort of sense, though it's definitely not clear because he did look like he was dressed. In olden more old fashioned olden wares, olden wares, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I did think that bit was quite uh scary, especially because I thought he was going to run towards them. Um, and he I don't like pick, it. he just stopped picking up pace, but then they just like run away. Um, so what was the funniest moment? 
Um, <laughs> I liked it when they're watching the last. He's watching the last bits on the tape, and the daughter's playing recorder, and just going, "It's shit. I know it's shit." She's like, "No, it's beautiful. Keep playing." And it's just like <laughs> recorders being inherently the most disgusting sound. Of <laughs> like a honking goose, <laughs> which is how Alex described my singing voice earlier. Yes, um, it was beautiful. The uh, I think the funniest bit is what which I only just remembered as we went back through that is when uh, when Tyler's eating. Uh, Kayla and Tiffany pops behind. Oh, yeah. going, oh isn't it beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, so we only actually see one, one death, death. Um, and then we hear of others. Uh, so Kayla's death was the best. I thought. I thought it was really good as well, though. Like I love how gruesome and like shocking it was that she was like open like a little piggy. Yeah, and, like all that guts being eaten. It was quite kind of like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, and the worst death was all the ones that we didn't see. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think was the queerest part of it? Um, I mean, like, I thought, like, actually, like, oh, I don't know why I wrote this, but I just thought the Polaroids, like, looked really, like, kinky and sexy. Um, I thought they would look more queer than actually their relationship even was, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's all kind of queer anyway, isn't it? So... I think the queerest part of it was the fact that Malik's character and also uh, Jeffrey Boy Chapman's portrayal of Malik was, like, faggy. Like, I was mm. really pleased to see, like, a kind of campy, kind of queeny gay. Because normally when you see characters like that, they're not in the main role. Um, and normally if there was to be, like, a lead gay he would be very, very, like, kind of palatable to straight people mm. um, and be more like Aaron. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to have it centred on the character who was much, much queerer than his partner, who was very homonormative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, I was pleased about that. No, that was good. And who do you think was the sexiest character? <laughs> I actually quite fancied the the weird grandson who he nearly makes out with. With the nostrils? Yeah. More so than Jeffrey Boyer Chapman? Well, it just seems too obvious to fancy Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. Oh, well, I'm sorry <laughs> that, he's, that he's the raw material of a divinity. Um, <laughs> I mean, my sexiest character, because I have eyeballs. Well, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> was Jeffrey Boyer Chapman's character. I, he was, really. I but, just, uh, yeah. Also, I must say, he became less likable on Canada's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah. But I'd still let him absolutely destroy me. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like... I, well, I'd allow I, him that. I'd allow him. <laughs> but no, I just found that scene where they start nearly making out, like, while they're hugging with the grief, like, really, really hot. And I was like, mmm, sexy grief smooching. Wow. Um, so maybe, yeah, it was the combination of the two of them together, I, I had think. a second sexiest character, which we only saw a little glimpse of, but the Sikh man at the end... Was a handsome babe like as well. Fit, yeah. Yeah, fitty, fitty. Fitty, fitty, fitty. Um, so, where are we standing re pumpkins? Oh, interesting. Oh. <laughs> Again, oh. surprise. Oh, wow. A pumpkins? <laughs> um, uh,. I, just, oh, I don't know like it's weird because I feel like I'm, I want to be generous because it's gone under the radar like more so than I would if it was just something that was quite popular um, I think probably two pumpkins two pumpkins I would give it three pumpkins um, I found it really enjoyable um, I found it very tense yeah 
and I thought it was kind of fun. And I think it was like it was it wasn't exceptional by any stretch of the imagination, but it had obviously taken a lot of influence from other recent successful horror films, Hereditary and Get Out being mm. the most obvious ones. I thought like with the kind of cultish behavior. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also I saw lots of parallels to Rosemary's Baby as well. Yeah, which is one of my favorites, but. I shall tell you the parallels because I noted them down. Please do. Um, so it's newcomers yeah. who have seemingly very friendly neighbours. Yeah. Um, they're given a plant. Um, it's that, <laughs> really? that, that tannis root that is oh, yeah, in that the necklace. Around her. Um, there's the kind of culty, uh, witchcrafty element to it. Um, they're actually more interested in the child than they are in the couple. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the husband, who in this case, Aaron, uh, seems either oblivious to it or maybe in cahoots with them yes. at various points. So I think I think those are the three obvious... Oh, I thought... Because I thought the only reason you thought that was just because of the person going crazy and thinking everyone was against them. But that's actually quite, quite a sort of oh, substantial no. case. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, I think it's... I, I like it when a film, a horror film, lays bare its um, influences in quite an obvious way. Mm. And I think it it... They made a really good new film out of kind of quite well-trodden tropes and new ideas with a queer and black twist which i liked and i thought jeffy boy chapman was good i think i'm gonna, so, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bump it to a three actually like i think two is a bit ungenerous i just yeah i feel like it's it's more in line with something like um like The Conjuring or something, when I went and I really enjoyed that, although it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a really enjoyable horror film. I feel the same about this. Yeah, um, like, I wouldn't <clears> be, like, crazy about recommending it to anyone, but, like, if someone's like, have you seen that? I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's good, actually. You should watch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I feel like if we'd come out of the cinema having seen that, we'd have been like, yeah, that was fun. We had lots to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's often the best you can get from a horror film. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> um, and being traumatised. And being traumatised. But yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. Well yeah. done, Spiral. Well done. Um, although, lots of unanswered questions, I think. Yes. Loose um, Loosey-gooseys. Yes. yes. So it's time for the spooky bits. <laughs> um, so this is the story of um, Lee McCall. Oh, it's, is it Leah? Can you spell it L-E-A-H? Is that Leah? Leah. Leah, okay. So after separating from her partner, uh, Leah McCall, 31, from Liverpool, mm. uh, found herself and her three kids, aged nine, seven, and five, a lovely new terraced house in a new neighbourhood. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Um, soon after arriving, she met her new neighbour, um, who's uh, a lovely but very vulnerable old lady who lived alone, uh, saying that since all of, her, all, of her, all of her children left her at home. That was oh. well, well said, wasn't that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, see, I see the bullet surprise coming your way. <laughs> um, they soon became close, and uh, Lee was often helping her out with shopping and chores. Um, they said we would often chat, chat over the garden fence and I made sure I knew she knew that I was there to help um, as uh, Leah, and, Leah, and, uh, Leah lived at the end of a cul-de-sac she quite often see when the old lady was out or coming back uh, in the end to try and help her when she needed it um, she started realising though that when she was out of the house the TV was sometimes left on really loud 
or she'd hear like weird banging noises or movements in the empty house next door. Um, but she put it down to her leaving the TV on without realizing, and just yeah, she she also went and asked neighbors whether there was anyone else in the house, and uh, she confirmed that she didn't have anything like a secret partner or anything. A secret partner. That's what she asked. Apparently, does she have a secret partner? For example, <laughs> well, Randy Gangbang. It... <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a very good secret if all the fucking neighbors knew about it, would they? Um, so she put it to the back of her mind. Unfortunately, this wasn't the only thing that unsettled her in the new house. Um, I feel like your favourite genre of uh, ghost stories are about grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, do feature quite a lot. Don't grandmas are little creepy girls <laughs> and never betrayed Johnny. <laughs> and the grandma was the creepy girl. No. Um, so anyway, um, what was that story you read last time? It's like it was grandma. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't grandma. That was the name. Oh yeah, it, wa- it, it wasn't, wasn't grandma. grandma. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so this wasn't the only thing that unsettled her about the house. Um, her children all separately started reporting seeing a shadow of a man outside of their window on the first floor. Um, the first time was when Leah heard her nine-year-old Rosie let out scream from upstairs, and she ran to find out what happened. Um, she said, I bolted upstairs and found her in floods of tears, frozen to the spot, pointing to her bedroom window. My heart skipped a beat as I flung the curtains back, but there was nothing there. Um, and she'd seen a shadow at the, behind she, the curtains. It, yeah, like, from the first floor. Yeah, like out the window, like a like a figure of a man outside the window, next door, or in in their house. <laughs> Why do you think this the little girl, the daughter, has seen in her out of her bedroom window a shadow of a man standing at the window at their window? Yeah, yeah, on the first floor. Yeah, just floating. Well. Anyway, okay. It's supposed to be a ghost, isn't it? So, um, (laughs) I don't know. Well, lodging dictates you can't stand there. Um, (laughs) Excuse me, no loitering. (laughs) There's nothing to stand on. (laughs) So, yeah, she insisted she sees a man in the window. And then a few days later, um, Leah's younger daughter, Molly, also screamed out for help, having seen the ghostly figure, this time actually inside the house. Um, what was it doing there? <laughs> how did you get there? Why was it there? Um, um, you, exactly where was this supposed man? Um, anyway, um, so I reassured her that she was imagining things, but kids start complaining about this ghost most days, and it got to the stage where they wouldn't even go upstairs to the toilet on their own, said Lee. Um, she took to researching how to handle ghosts on the internet and found a lot of information suggesting it would just stop on its own. I don't know if that's always true. Um, and just to reassure them, until it wasn't real. Um, but Lisa, the children, became so scared of, in, in, comma, in commas, the man upstairs that family life became intolerable. Um, that's what happens when you've got a man in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so months later, um, Lee was alone in the house and she swore she saw a flicker of a movement upstairs at the corner of her eye. Um, she got terrified immediately thinking of all the ghost stories that the kids have said and so then but then went up to investigate like creeping up the stairs um, she swung open her bedroom door and there was a man just stood there in her room um, quickly she realised it was actually a real man and it was a person and um, she said just as I was imagined I froze in terror I literally couldn't move a muscle I couldn't uh, barely breathe the man grabbed her and told her not to scream uh, she managed to punch him and escape and call the police for, with a neighbour outside. And the police arrived and searched the property, but there was nobody found inside. 
Um, there was no sign of the sinister stranger until two weeks later, um, Leo was awoken by the sound of sirens and police storming into the elderly, elderly neighbor's house. Um, Lee was confused until the officer explained they'd arrested the neighbor's son, who'd been seen climbing into her house on several occasions um, from the other house oh. uh, by the neighbors. Yeah. Um, the, the mother of three called the experience chilling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> A mild understatement. Yeah. I was somewhat chilled. Um, we realized he must have climbed up onto the flat roof outside my little girl's bedroom um, oh. and got access to the house that way. Um, a shiver ran down my spine as I thought about how many times he'd been looking at us through the window, or worse, actually, in the house, sneaking about. Um, Peter Robert Hornby, was his name, was convicted um, on one count of burglary. I don't know what he sold. But anyway, two counts of common assault, and is in prison now. So that was last year in June. So do we know what... Is that all you... Do you have that's any additional information? information? No. Well, that's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder why the why the grandmother uh, the grandmother the old woman yeah, next why door she kept, kept him secret. secret yeah I don't know maybe was he mentally ill was she like ashamed of him or something I mean if he was creeping into people's house he probably wasn't the most mentally stable person but, maybe not um, but yeah like I don't know it sort of adds to the horror that she'd had this secret son yeah. like, rattling around in the house that she didn't tell anyone about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that she just leaves the TV on from like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. That. Isn't that horrid? Yeah. yeah. Great story. Thank you. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> If you're enjoying Bloody Marys, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends.